Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. With the first pick in the ultimate NBA mock draft. First of all, wingspan. There's weaknesses to his game. An explosive athlete. That's like his floor. A high ceiling. He's going to be the next LeBron James. This pick really should be that simple. It's Kate Cunningham. Evan Mobley. Jalen Green. Jonathan Kaminga. Jalen Suggs. And now, let's send it over to our Odyssey expert and the White Mamba himself, Brian Scalabrine. Is the man who built the world of NBA draft coverage. And that is Chad Ford. Jimmy Patos from Odyssey. And former NBA GM, Ryan McDonough. Day two of the 2021 Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, a Locked On Podcast Network Odyssey production with all of the biggest names covering the NBA Draft. Chad Ford, NBA Draft guru for the last multiple decades, is going to be on the program today. Former NBA GM Ryan McDonough will be with us in just a second. He drafted Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton and help build up the Phoenix Suns to what they are today. Brian Scalabrini will stop by. Jimmy Patos will stop by. Longtime college expert from the Odyssey standpoint, plus their local host. The local locked on experts are with us in their draft rooms right now, getting ready to make their picks. And boy, do we have trade rumors flowing. The Kings are floating around. Buddy Heald. The Pelicans are floating around. Eric Bledsoe. The Thunder are floating around. Anything on any day that ends in Y. All sorts of things taking place. We'll hear from the local experts. Also, our Locked On NBA draft dummies will stop by. And on our main desk, Rafael Barlow of Locked On NBA Draft and his YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies, and Richard Stamen of the Locked On NBA Draft joining us as well. Five picks are in, guys. No surprises, really, on day one. Cade Cunningham went number one after some discussion floating around in the final weeks about it. You both thought it was a no-brainer. Jalen Green went two to Houston. Evan Mobley went three to Cleveland. Jalen Suggs went four to Toronto. And Jonathan Kaminga went five to Orlando. So, Raphael, quick review of day one. Anything jump out at you from that? Anything you think that someone might have misstepped or you think was kind of the steal of that opening day one? No, I think day one was predictable, which is why I'm looking forward today because I feel like this is where the draft starts. What is your board at this moment for your top next top five players, Raphael? So my board, I have Scotty Barnes, uh, Davion Mitchell. I have uh, Moses Moody, James Booknight, and then I have Franz Wagner. All right. Those are Kai Jones. I have Kai Jones. And Kai Jones. All right. Richard Stamen made his name in doing Mavs draft, now part of Locked On NBA draft. Where? What's your board look like right now? Yeah, so like I said on day one, I have James Booknight still available. He's my number five player, so he's good value at this point. Then I have Scotty Barnes, Moses Moody, Usman Garuba, and Jaden Springer as the next five available. It's a little different than what you've heard from other people. All right, let, let's just get to the fun part of this. My team gets whom in the next five picks. I should be jumping up and down. I've got the guy. I've got the Donovan Mitchell, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Devin Booker, non-top five pick that we're going to be looking back five years from now saying, like, how did he get there? Raphael, who are one or two of your guys here at this point in the draft 
where if your team gets him, you should be jumping up and down because you just got that guy. I know uh, Rich is going to be mad, but I think James Bookmike is that guy. I think he's the one that has the highest upside and superstar potential. And Richard, you're going to go with Booknight too? I, I almost have to, but I would also like to say that if you get Jaden Springer, I think I, I really think he's being overlooked, that you should be ecstatic if he's on your team. All right, let's I get... Let's overlooked get. Him. I have overlooked him. He is nowhere near my top 10. Interesting. All right, let's get a little quick take here for a second. A little education. Tell me a little bit, uh, Richard, about Booknight and his game and who he is. Yeah, he's a three-level scorer. He has some defensive potential. You know, he only averaged 1.8 assists per game on UConn, which is a clear knock about playmaking. But I do think that if you look at the rest of the roster, he was actually the second highest assist getter for the year. And I think it's a function of the system. I think in the NBA where he can recognize double teams very quickly and find open shooters, he's going to see an uptick in in assists. Rafael, give me a little take on Springer while you're not as high on him. His game is boring. <laughs> and and I just think that he, when I looked at my notes from this draft in, I want to say 2017, I believe, they are the exact same on Jaden Springer as they were about on Frank Nilakina. Passive, defensive upside, can't create his own shot. And, I mean, I think that he's going to be a solid NBA player, but I just think that he's going to be more of a, a complimentary guy. I mean, that's really where I was going next, right? There's Frank Nilkina, Kevin Knox, sorry, Knicks fans, Mo Bamba, sorry, Magic fans. Uh, like, in this realm of the draft, we start to get big mistakes. We start to get big mistakes in this draft. <laughs> Who are the players that if they get drafted in the next five or six picks that not you shouldn't have the Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Giannis Adetokounmpo reaction, Kawhi Leonard reaction, Zach Levine reaction. You should have the Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Mo Bamba reaction. I, I'm going to go out on the limb here. I think it could be Scotty Barnes. I know most people are high on him, but I, I think that he has a ways to go as a scorer. And I feel like in today's NBA, as, as much as defense is valued, if you not a scorer, then you make life harder for your teammates, especially in the playoffs. So I think he's going to really need to work on his jump shot. And he's he's really passive as a shooter. So Kaminga could actually be that. And I'm sorry, not Kaminga, but Scotty Barnes could be that guy. Interesting notes on Scotty Barnes. Only 13 isolation attempts the whole season was in the 18th percentile of success there. He had 66 pick and rolls. He was below average in the 47th percentile. And on his uh, off-the-bounce dribble game last year, four of 19 shooting. There's a lot of work for Scotty Barnes. And yet John Hollinger of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network had him as like the number two or three player in the draft. So you certainly are getting some different points of view. Richard, who's your Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Mo Bamba? Yeah, it's someone who I have much lower on my board than where they're projected to go, and that's Davion Mitchell. Uh, I think he's kind of a risk at the top 10 area, you know, if he didn't have the NCAA tournament, is he going top 10? And those questions, when you have to get to that level, that scares me. This is co-host Cody and Sam Ferris of the Draft Dummies. We are here on day two. We saw the top five yesterday, yesterday Sam. We saw Kaminga included with the top four from this draft. Who do you have as the next best players available? Yeah, so the top five pretty pretty much went according to expectation there with Kaminga going fifth. After that, for me, Cody, there are four guys that I kind of view as the next 
kind of best players available. For me, the, the next best player available, the fifth best player actually on my personal board is Josh Giddy, the 6'9 playmaker out of Australia. The next guy that comes to mind for me is Moses Moody, the sharpshooter out of Arkansas. And then to give you two more, Sharif Cooper, the outstanding playmaker out of Auburn. And then the uh, playmaking wing, Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. Those are kind of the next four guys on my board. Yep, I'm kind of there with you. I have Giddy, Scotty Barnes, and Moses Moody as the next three players on my board. Uh, depends on the day, the order. But let's go ahead and throw this back to Ryland Styles of the Locked on Thunder in the Thunder draft room, and let's see who they select. Ryland Styles here with the Locked on Thunder podcast with the sixth selection in the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, the Oklahoma City Thunder select. Scotty Barnes, basketball player, Florida State. The Oklahoma City Thunder are enamored with Scotty Barnes, and he's seemingly flying up draft boards. So for him to still be here at six is a good thing for the Thunder. Scotty Barnes is the definition of a versatile player, and that trait is one that Mark Dignott's preached since the beginning of his tenure as the Thunder head coach. While Scotty Barnes cannot shoot, he is an elite playmaker for his size and projects to be a very good defender. The Thunder might not have found their number two option next to Shea just yet, but they at least have found a quality starter in Scotty Barnes, and that's enough value at six, considering the bad luck they had in the lottery. What's up, everybody? This is David Weiss from Locked On Seminoles, and I'm here to tell you a little bit about soon-to-be NBA lottery pick, Scotty Barnes. Scotty's a six-foot-nine, 225-pound forward out of Florida State University, and he's not your typical forward. There's a reason he was the highest-ranked recruit in the history of the Seminoles basketball program, and why as a one-and-done, he's a near lock to be a top-six pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Don't be surprised if he sneaks in the top five. Reason being, Scotty features a rare blend of size, speed, length, quickness, and athleticism that allows him to defend at least four positions on the floor. And that elite defensive ability is what's going to allow him to make an impact early and often at the NBA level. On the offensive end, Scotty has incredible court vision for a player that's six foot nine, to the point he could almost act as your point guard if you needed him to. And again, that athleticism was on full display in his ability to slash to the hoop. Any team that gets Scotty is going to be lucky and have a guy that competes for sixth man of the year, if not in the starting rotation, very early on. All right, that sets it up. Let's go over to Ryan McDonough, former NBA GM. He's actually had to make the picks, our Odyssey expert, to talk about what it's like drafting in this range where things get as in flux as what we just talked about. Well, OKC is going through an aggressive rebuild, maybe the most aggressive we've seen in NBA history with a number of young players and draft picks and cap flexibility. Uh, And and the key part of that now will be Scotty Barnes, the young wing out of Florida State. He's really versatile. This kid stood out to me when I watched the film on him. He's got good size and he can do a bit of everything. He scores, he rebounds, and he passes. I really like his physical attributes. This guy has close to a 7'3 wingspan and a nine foot standing reach. He's also athletic. He has about a 40 inch max vertical. So it's going to take some time for Barnes to develop, but I don't think any team in the league will be more patient with OKC as they try to build around Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lugens Dort, and their young talent. And they have another key part of that rebuild now with Florida State, Scotty Barnes with the sixth pick in the draft. This is a versatile, talented player with a high upside in time. 
Well, as usual, over the last couple of years in Oklahoma City, there are a lot of moving pieces on the Thunder. Al Horford went out this offseason. Kemba Walker came in. We'll see if he remains in a Thunder uniform. Most veterans have come and gone. Uh, so as I look at the core of this OKC team, they're building around Shea Gilgis-Alexander and some other young pieces they've drafted or acquired recently. Uh, Lugens Dort, um, to a lesser extent, Teo Maladon, Darius Baisley. There is some young talent, but they need more high-end young talent so I think Scotty Barnes will be right up there alongside or just behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander as key parts of the rebuild for OKC. Biggest thing Barnes needs to work on in Oklahoma City is his shooting. He only shot 27% from three and 65% from the free throw line at Florida State. He also needs to work on creating his own shots, especially in isolation and pick and roll situations. He needs to be more aggressive uh, defensively, uh, but he's got a lot of talent. I mean, he's got a lot of potential on the defensive minds. Uh, on the defensive end of the court, he's got a good frame. I, I really like the way he plays with his head up, with his size and length. So this is another talented young piece for Sam Presti and Mark Dagnall and the coaching staff to work with in Oklahoma City as they try to build this thing through the draft from the bottom up. Raphael, you set it up. You said Scotty Barnes was the one you were most concerned about. The Thunder just made that play. Why are you right and John Hollinger's wrong? Okay, that's not exactly really what you said, but let's go with that. The former NBA GM, Grizzlies GM, now host of Hollinger and Duncan, has Scotty Barnes at the top. He's writing in The Athletic right now about how this is a steal pick of the draft by the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And Raphael, you think the Thunder may have just swung and missed. Yeah, now if there is a team that has the luxury of being able to swing and miss, it is the Oklahoma City Thunder because they have, it seems like, a gazillion picks over the next six or seven years. But I have my concerns. I think if unless Scotty Barnes is surrounded by some high-level teammates, then I don't think that his best asset will be, you know, I don't, I don't think he can maximize a skill set. I think with this, the way this Thunder roster is set up now, he's going to look pretty bad just because they don't, I mean, you got to get Gilgis Alexander, but I think his game is best suited to be like the connective tissue on a really, really good team. Richard, you with this on Raphael on this one? Or are you higher on Scotty Barnes? So I'm higher, I think on Scotty Barnes than Raphael, but I do agree. Oklahoma city is the perfect spot for him in the, you know, he's a connective tissue. He's a glue guy, but you want him surrounded by shooters. And if there is a team though, that could potentially surround him right and let him develop correctly it's probably oklahoma city so if you're looking at where he was drafted it's not a bad risk so we're taking blue guys in the top six now i mean if they need to if they want to win say they package some of these guys and get better to you know maybe get carl anthony towns or someone like for example if he goes on the market oklahoma city has the chips to trade chips to get him because they can get anybody basically via trade based on how many assets they have it could work. He could work really well next to someone, a star in the future. Pat would leave Oklahoma City as soon as free agency allows. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't even know how, how big their trade chips are because I think it's best for them to stick with the guys that they draft because they're able to at least have them for at least four or five years as opposed to trading for somebody that could leave in two or three. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think if, if every one of their picks at least held value, like if, say, they got Scotty Barnes, if he stayed the same value as a perceived number six player, I think it would work out, though, pretty well for whoever they're trading with the or themselves. The Barnes and Popeshevsky, that is some positionless basketball right there. <laughs> the interesting one on this debate is kind of where Barnes at 6'9", 227, like that's the perfect NBA body, right? Like the one thing I always talk about, when I look at a draft, it's like you better have multiple comps on a player. 
right? If, you're, if you only have one comp on a player and that player's a Hall of Famer or close to a Hall of Famer, you better make sure that the guy you're drafting is going to be that because if the, the, the example I'll use a lot is former longtime NBA guard Andre Miller, non-athletic, kind of found a way to be able to play, played 14 years in the league. His comp, though, is Kendall Marshall. His next comp is Kendall Marshall, who didn't last in the league. If you're 6'9", 220, I've got 55 guys in the league right now that are 6'9", 220 that can survive. It's hard for me to believe that 6'9", 220 with skills busts in this league the way we're talking about Scotty Barnes, Raphael. Well, yeah, but his game is so unique. How many guys are 6'9", 220, and their best position is as a point guard? But in today's NBA, as a point guard, you need to be able to shoot, or else your passing skills can't be unlocked. And Scotty Barnes can't shoot. I thought he took a step back in college as a shooter as opposed to the guy that we saw in high school. Yeah, and I mean, there's probably no worse time right now to be a big point guard that can't shoot than following Ben Simmons' playoffs. So it's a it's a little bit rough time to be Scotty Barnes' mold right now, but he measured like a center 7-2 wingspan with like, I think, an 8-10, 8-11 standing reach. So he's a point guard in like almost a center's body. It's a really unique combination of height, skill, all of it. All right, we've debated this one up and down. The Golden State Warriors are on the pick with seven. Some trade rumors are floating around there. We'll see whether or not Locked On Warriors' Wes Goldberg makes a pick. But let's first get the analysis from Chad Ford and how he thinks about Scotty Barnes. Some of the guys on the board, Davion Mitchell, Moses Moody, Corey Kispert, Franz Wagner, some of the other guys, they're all still on the board right now with Chad Ford. Well, some strong takes there from our main desk. Let's go over to our expert desk with NBA Draft Insider from the Chad Ford Big Board podcast. It is Chad Ford. Uh, Chad, what is your thought on Scotty Barnes as that number six pick by Oklahoma City? I love it. He's an Oklahoma City type player all the way. Um, They're not afraid to swing big. Uh, Sam Presti's done that over the years. They love long athletic guys that can play multiple positions. And one of the things about Scotty Barnes that's just so intriguing to me is I think he's the only guy that I could talk about in this draft and maybe in several drafts that I'm actually confident can guard positions one through five. He guarded uh, point guards and and two guards all the time at Florida State, Um, but he has the size and strength to go in and be a small ball center. Um, when you need him to be by far the most versatile player in the draft, if he if his jump shot starts to fall, and it didn't at Florida State, so that's a fair knock on him. But if it starts to fall, I think he could easily end up being the best prospect in this draft. Golden State's on the clock at seven. They're so interesting because they've got these loaded team that's trying to win it with Steph. What do they do with this seventh pick? Well, I think everyone in the league, every agent, every other general manager believes that it's going to be Davian Mitchell out of Baylor if they keep this pick at seven and i think that's the big question is if golden state's clock is at a place right now where they need to win and they need players that can help them win right now and so you do that two ways one you either trade the picks and bring in a you know a younger veteran um, that you know can come in and play and, and fit in your scheme right away and they're in tons of trade talks right now and they've been telling this pretty openly to the agents um, that we may not be here at seven and 14 or you draft prospects that are going to come in and help you right now. And Davian Mitchell, who will almost be 23 years old, just short of that on draft night, is 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 maybe the best perimeter defender in the draft. A guy who already has an NBA body, just won national championship. He's going to be a guy that they're going to look at, Corey Kispert, what have you. I'm not saying that that's the right strategy for Golden State, but I think that that's dire- absolutely the direction that they're leaning. Does Mitchell's age bother you? 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you look at the history of guys at this at this stage of the draft, um, and you know who's been drafted, anybody that's sort of drafted twenty two years old or older, the list is in the top ten. It's Jimmer Fredette, Willie Colley Stein. Frank Kaminsky, Chris Dunn, Buddy Heald, uh, Mikel Bridges, and Obi Toppin. And of that group, Buddy Heald was the only player that was actually older than Davian Mitchell uh, on draft night. So then he's the second oldest of all those guys. That's not a great track record for a top 10 pick with players uh, that, are, that are older. I really like Davian Mitchell. I, I like him as a player. But the odds say, the statistics say, the chances of him you know, performing as a as a number seven pick in the draft are slim. And if you d- date it back further, that list gets even longer. All right, let's go to the Warriors draft room and see what they're going to do. Let's head over to Lockdown Warriors and their seventh pick of the NBA draft. Wes Goldberg here with the Locked On Warriors podcast and with the number seven pick in the ultimate mock draft, the Golden State Warriors select Davion Mitchell, the guard out of Baylor. This is a no-brainer pick for the Warriors. With none of the top six guys falling down to number seven, the Warriors not only take the best player available, but they also take the guy who is most ready to contribute immediately. And this is a Warriors team that needs immediate contributors. They're looking for rotation guys for a team that hopes to contend for the Western Conference title this season. So Davion Mitchell, defensively, he can he can contribute immediately. Right out of the box, this guy is gonna be an impactful defensive player. He can mirror other guys' movements, his anticipation, his instincts on that end are terrific. He's even though he's small in stature at six feet tall, six foot four wingspan, he's really strong and doesn't let guys just go through him. So this, he's gonna be able to walk in pick up opposing point guards at an elite level. That's a really novel skill set in today's NBA. On the offensive end, he shot 45% from three as a junior at Baylor. Uh, People believe that that three-point stroke is real. He's a good ball handler. He can play make out of pick and roll situations, be a good ball mover in the flow of the offense. Uh, You don't need him to run your offense. That could be Draymond Green. That could be Steph Curry. But when he's coming off the bench as part of that second unit offense, he can also help stabilize things when Steph isn't in the game. This is a guy who can contribute on both ends right away. It's exactly what the Warriors need, and they're very happy with this pick at number seven. Richard, your bust potential pick just got made at number seven in Davion Mitchell. He wins the NCAA title. His numbers are fabulous on the year at six foot two, 205, but he is older as a junior. Transition percentile is in the 86th percentile, which usually shows really good athleticism. 89th percentile in spot up, 91 percentile in catch and shoot, 90th percentile in unguarded catch and shoot, 95th percentile in dr- jumper off the dribble. Why did you tell me that you thought Davion Mitchell, just drafted by the Warriors with the seventh pick, is the guy that makes you think Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina? Mo Bamba of this range of the draft, Richard. Well, I tell you, David, you're not helping me look good here with the numbers like that. But you look year over year with his shooting numbers and free throw percentage. He never eclipsed 70% from the free throw line, which is often a predictor for three-point shooting. And I think he shot 32%, 33% from three the year before and had never hit 35%. So I worry that a lot of what he did in terms of production was a fluke. And then he doesn't really finish above the rim as a finisher and then he might struggle to score against bigs at the rim. And those are two really crucial areas for guards. You look back at the draft Raphael over years and, and I, you know, we, everyone want to take it. Davion Mitchell's 22 years old. 
That means that what Richard just pointed out is he didn't have great success at 18, 19, and 20 against fellow age players. But when he became 22, playing 18 and 19-year-olds, he had success. Wesley Johnson did that, was a bad pick. Epe Udo did that, was a bad pick. That list, and I, I love Epe. Like, the book club's awesome, but it, hey, he was the fifth pick by the Warriors. It's a bad pick. Like, that has been the most consistent way to miss in this draft is to take a 22-year-old who beat up on 19-year-olds. Why do you think Davion Mitchell is or is not that pick, Raphael? Well, I'm a Blazers fan, so I can give you C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. Those are two guys that are similar. I would disagree slightly on Damian. He was dominant at 18 and 19 at Weber State. He would have gone out a year earlier if he wasn't injured. So if you go back and look at him at 19 years old against 19-year-olds, he was great. Now, it was against Montana and guys that were lumberjacks, literally, not only by mascot earlier in the day, but like I, that's the only area where I might disagree with you on that. CJ, maybe the late development of height. I mean, he was 5'4 in high school, I think, as a freshman and rolled up to 6'3 six, six, or 6'2 or maybe 6'1. Um, so I might quibble a little bit with you on that. It's it's really the question of whether or not the player had success when they were 18 and 19. They can stay. It's not just that they're old. It's that when Davion Mitchell was at Auburn, he averaged three points a game. And then when he suddenly takes his extra year and he goes to nine points a game, he wasn't a great player in those two years, 29% and 32% from three. It wasn't until he was physically much more mature than everyone else. I think he put in the work. I mean, if you look at his percentage from three, the jump that he made tells me that he put time in the gym and he put in the work. I think at the very minimum, he's going to be a high-level defender. Now, the free throw percentage is questionable. He doesn't get to the foul line. Those are two things. Now, I will say one of the worst things that could happen to him probably is the comparisons to Donovan Mitchell and the fact that they you know, were the same number. So I think that has probably made people think that he has Donovan Mitchell potential, two totally different players. But I think for Golden State, a team that has a short window, I think he's a good fit because he is mature. He doesn't need a lot of development. And if the shot translates, they have a high-level defender that can come in and play backup minutes, knock on open shots, and, and be a solid ball mover. All right, let's go over to our local Odyssey expert, Matt Steinemitz, one of the better NBA uh, experts on local radio from the game in San Francisco about what he thinks of the Warriors' seventh pick. Well, one thing he can definitely bring is defensive intensity on that side of the ball. Obviously, Baylor was one of the best, most aggressive defenses in college basketball all of last year, and Mitchell was the player who spearheaded that. It's also no secret that the Warriors have got to figure out what they're going to do at point guard, not only the player who plays behind Steph Curry right now, but also the player that hopefully for them over the next two or three years can take the mantle from Steph Curry as the team's point guard. So the Warriors clearly view Davion Mitchell as a player who can both back up Steph Curry now and perhaps play alongside him even immediately because he's such a good defensive player. He's not a great shot creator, uh, but last year at Baylor, he took a big jump in his three-point percentage. The Warriors need shooting, and Mitchell is a player who looks to be improving in that area. Uh, Davion Mitchell is a guard that the Golden State Warriors believe can help right away in a limited role, and then perhaps down the line be the starting point guard for this team once Steph Curry gets older and retires. I think the Golden State Warriors tried to move number seven and perhaps number 14 to help Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green out immediately. 
But the problem is the Golden State Warriors cannot really find that perfect player. Is it Dame Lillard? Well, that gives the Warriors three guards, and you have to then move Klay Thompson to the three. Is that a big deal? I don't know. It might be to the Warriors management. What about Ben Simmons? Well, Ben Simmons proposes some problems also because now you have Ben Simmons and Draymond Green, two non-scorers, Uh, on your offense and that doesn't work very well in today's NBA I think the Golden State Warriors look to make a big move but they also figure you know what if we can pluck a good player at 7 or 14 and we can add a veteran at the uh, mid-level exception I think the Golden State Warriors think they can compete next year without having to go get a blockbuster type player Two picks are in. Number six was Scotty Barnes. Number seven, Davion Mitchell. Lots of debate about him. Number eight, the Magic are on the board. And then there's trade rumors floating. What should the Magic do? What should the Kings do? What should the Pelicans do? We touch on it next as we continue in the 2021 NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're through seven picks of the NBA draft. No surprise on day one, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and Jonathan Kaminga. That is available for you. Day one of the ultimate mock draft, five-day production here. By the way, on draft night, Locked On is putting on a live NBA draft show for you, free across all YouTube Roku, Kindle, or Amazon Fire channels, NBA GOAT, Draft GOAT, Chad Ford, along with Locked on NBA Draft, Rafael Barlow, who you're hearing here, will be on the main desk with Jonathan Kralis. Our local experts will be popping in from all across the country. Get the local experts on every pick. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch the live coverage on July 29th. All right, Rafael and Richard, we are through six picks of the draft. Scotty Barnes and Davion Mitchell went. The Magic... The Pelicans, the Kings are all on the board here. There's trade rumors floating around. What should, where should these teams be going? All these teams need, they're very different spots, right? The Magic are almost in full rebuild again after trading Evan Fournier and Nikola Vukovic and Aaron Gordon, not almost, completely in in rebuild. The Pelicans feel like they're right there but might be losing Lonzo Ball in free agency. And then you've got, you know, other pieces of this puzzle, uh, coming along with the Kings, who I, I don't know where they are. I, they're the Kings, right? They should be really close. They've got a star in De'Aaron Fox and a league laden with stars. They got a great pick last year in Tyrese Halliburton. So, Richard, as you look at as this lines up and, and the trade rumors are floating, we're hearing the possibility of a Buddy Heald trade being talked about right now. What, what, are you, what are you seeing out of these next three picks and what do you expect to see? Yeah, I mean, I think Orlando needs to swing for the fences. Like you said, they're at the start of a rebuild. This is when you need to get as much top-end talent or as many chances at top-end talent as you can possibly think of. And then Sacramento and New Orleans are in similar situations. Just Sacramento's in a more advanced stage of it where they're trying to surround their star and make the playoffs. New Orleans is obviously, Zion's only in his second year, and the timeline completely revolves around him. 
and they just need to continue adding either high-end role players or another third star to get over that hump. Raphael, if you're swinging for the fences right now and you're Philip Rosman Reich in the Magic draft room, what's your swing? I'm looking to package this and, and make a trade because right now the best players available are wings. And if they draft another wing, their team sponsor might as well be Wingstop or Popeye's Chicken because they have too many wings. There's too much redundancy there. Who's top of your board right now, Raphael? Right now it would be, I mean, I think the guy with the highest upside is Booknight, but I think there's a lot of redundancy there. I mean, they just drafted Kaminga. Moses Moody is more so of a plug-and-play guy. I think he's a safer pick, but if you're Orlando, do you go safe? So I, I would say Book Night would be the guy, but it's, it's like I said, a lot of redundancy. Richard, your Book Night is your top, still your top guy. Anybody else you throw in there? Yeah, it would be Book Night. Maybe, I know we've already kind of disagreed on this, but maybe Jaden Springer. I think that nobody on the team right now, I know the Mavs, Magic, excuse me, have a lot of guards, but none of them are worth saying, hey, we can't draft anybody because we have so many guards. So I think you got to keep taking best player available. Could they have packaged these picks five and eight, do you think, to get anything? Or do you think the draft is unlikely to do that? Because it's a four-person draft and the Magic are just stuck at five and eight. No one's taking five and eight and giving up one of those top four picks. I think Cleveland would be the only target, but what's the incentive to move out? All right, let's go to Philip Rossman Reich, who had evidently is sitting in the draft room in handcuffs with very little choice but to sit at five and eight in the Locked On Magic draft room. Philip Rossman Reich back here from Locked On Magic podcast with the eighth pick in the ultimate mock draft. The Orlando Magic select Moses Moody from Arkansas. With the first pick, I talked about the Magic's need for a star. With the second pick, the Magic need to find shooting and need to find someone that's going to contribute. I've often said that for uh, the first pick, the Magic need to go get the best player they can and get a star type of player. With the, with the second pick, they need someone who's going to be safe and give them something from this draft. That's the beauty of having two picks. To me, Moses Moody is that player, a player who projects already as a 3-and-D shoot, 3-and-D player with his plus wingspan uh, and his ability to defend already, but also a shooting ability. In the NBA game, he won't be expected to be the top scorer. He won't be expected to be the lead scorer. But the fact that he has that experience for a good Arkansas team suggests that maybe... Just maybe he can be a little bit more. He's often been compared to Chris Middleton, and frankly, I don't think that's a bad thing, although I don't think he's quite there yet. Moses Moody, to me, is the best of both worlds. A player who can potentially grow into becoming a star if he can continue to get better with his ball handling, and a player who's already uh, should be established as a solid shooter and solid defender at the NBA level. So the Magic will take Moses Moody. What's up, everybody? This is John Neighbors of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast coming to talk to you about Moses Moody, the Razorback basketball player that is looking to be a top 10 draft pick in this year's NBA draft. And he was a phenomenal player for Arkansas as he was able to lead them to their very first Elite Eight appearance since 1995. He did it by averaging nearly 17 points per game, nearly six rebounds a game, shot 81% from the free throw line, as well as 42% from the field while averaging around 34 minutes per game. Had a lot of awards come in, SEC Freshman of the Year. And another thing about him is that his wingspan is what makes him really such an underrated and undervalued defender, which a lot of people are going to be impressed by. You need to Google the picture of Moses Moody, where he is showing off his wingspan, where he's sitting in a doorway, and he has one hand on the floor and another hand on the top of the doorway really show that over seven feet tall wingspan that he has that's what makes him such a good defender he's also got really good 
uh, shot selection and decision-making when it comes to things that he does. That's something Eric Musselman, the head coach of Arkansas, has really hammered home as far as the points go. And he is going to be a great player no matter who ends up drafting him. And he has a chance to be the highest draft pick in Razorback basketball history since 1990, something like that. I mean, it's been a long time. So either way, it's going to be phenomenal to see how he grows as an NBA player and whichever team gets him it's also going to be good as well. But that is about Moses Moody. And going to the NBA draft, this is John Neighbors of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast signing off. I think my guys are going to start going nuts here on the main desk. Book night just keeps dropping. Moses Moody, who Raphael gave the most tepid approval rating to ever. I mean, that was like the 50-50, not even like, not a political thing where like 50% love you and 50% hate you. Like a 50% like, yeah, it's okay kind of pick right there, Raphael, is what you gave me before that Moses Moody pick right there by the Magic. Yeah, I mean, he plays the same position as the guy that just selected at number five. <laughs> so, it's, it's like I said, if Wingstop, Popeye's, Kentucky Fried Chicken was their main sponsor, then, then it works out because they are selling wings, wings, wings. Is there any other choice here, Richard? I mean, obviously you love book night, but like, is this just a, you guys sold this draft at the beginning of being such depth, but we move right here and this is the reality of NBA drafts, right? You're, this is where we talked about it, like in the very beginning, like from 11 on, you're ending up with 50% of your players. We're not there yet, but we're getting awfully close to that thing where it's like a little bit of a flip of a coin of whether someone's going to make it or not. The depth of draft over the last five years has become more successful than years past. I think we're getting better players. They're actually better prepared. They're more ready to go. The league has opened up so skill shows a little bit more. But is this a little bit of the, the reality, Richard, that, that other than the guy you guys loved when we talked about the Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, Devin Booker pick in book night, that right now we're just into a little bit of this not-so-sure mode on these guys? Well, I do think it's helpful that Moses Moody has one of the highest floors in the draft, that it's not a bad pick in a way that he's not going to fail. There's almost a 0% chance Moses Moody fails. It's just, for me, I would have liked to see them go a little bit higher on upside. The one positive is that you need good players to help your younger players develop, and Moses Moody really helps that a lot. You know, being a great shooter, he fills in that role Evan Fournier filled for years, and I think that helps guys like Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz. 6-6-205. Rafael, zero chance he busts? Zero chance is, is impossible. I mean, there's <laughs> if you look at the numbers, it's 50-50, especially in this range, so I'm not going to give him zero. All right, number nine. Whoa, we've got a trade that has come across the wire. Let's get it here. Pelicans have traded to get the ninth pick. They've also acquired sharpshooter Buddy Heald, and the Kings will get the 10th pick in Eric Bledsoe. All right, let's try to walk through this for a second, guys. The Pelicans get the ninth pick, so the the Pelicans and Kings swap. It's almost just a buddy healed for Eric Bledsoe trade as much as anything, unless there's a player here someone's really going to get. What does, I mean, from a quick take I have on this one without a lot of preparations, this just came down, is the Pelicans, desperate for shooting, just got one of the best shooters in the NBA. Heald, I think, changed his shot profile a great deal this last year, taking many more threes, a lot more off the bounce threes, and his percentage dipped a little bit. But this is a guy who two years ago was the number one catch-and-shoot guy in the league. Richard seems like a pretty good setup for the Pelicans on a team that has really been without, without shooters. Yeah, and they have a really high upside depending on what they do with this pick. And Buddy Heald comes home and... Sacramento also does get a benefit, too. They get a good defender for a team that was the worst defensive team in the league 
they get a defensive upgrade, which is always nice. Salary cap's always boring, but Buddy Heald's got 24 million on the or 22 on the books. He does have a decreasing salary, but boy, I have yet to figure out what the Pelicans are doing because they got a lot of money. Brandon Ingram's getting paid. I guess Lonzo Ball might not be getting paid now. If I don't know who their point guard is because Buddy Heald's not much of a ball handler. Zion's gonna get paid. Like Raphael, what's your take on this trade from a Pelican standpoint? Uh, well, from the Pelican standpoint, I, I just kind of it makes sense. I just wonder, like, what did Buddy Hill do wrong in life to keep going from New Orleans to Sacramento back to New Orleans? And then for the for the Kings, why do they need another point guard? You have Fox, you have Halliburton who played well, and of all the positions, you decide to add another point guard to me. That that really doesn't make sense. But I think the Pelicans must be high on Kyra Lewis. He must be their their guy. Seems to be an urgency to move uh, out of, uh, we'll see from Matt George in a minute, but seems like there's an urgency out of Sacramento to free themselves from Buddy Heald and the contract as well as just whatever, all the shenanigans that kind of became, I think, an old story there might have worn themselves out. Eric Bledsoe, by the way, 18 this year, 19 this year, so Sacramento uh, frees themselves of one year on that deal. So that leaves us now with the Pelicans on the board at nine. I don't feel like this trade had a lot to do with picks, frankly, when you're slipping nine to ten, unless somebody's going to go jump and grab somebody they think is particular. It seems like that was more of an Eric Bledsoe uh, for a... Uh, Buddy Heald trade. We'll find out more when we hear from Locked On Pelicans in a minute. And their ninth pick is in right now. So let's go find out what the Pelicans have done on the board. Jake Madison here from the Locked On Pelicans podcast and Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast. And with the ninth pick in the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, the Pelicans select Corey Kispert wing out of Gonzaga. I went into this mock draft wanting to come out with more shooting to space the court better for both Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. I swung a trade with the Kings to swap Eric Bledsoe in 10 for Buddy Heald healed in nine so I added the shooting and buddy even with the longer contract and was looking to take Moses Moody at nine a player I am very high on as a potential three and D wing kind of guy but unfortunately the magic grabbed him one spot ahead at eight so that changed my draft strategy a little bit while I normally believe in drafting for upside the Pels really need to put a winner around Zion right now and while Kispert is older and doesn't have the type of ridiculous upside you'd love to see maybe inside the top 10 he's the best shooter in the draft and a player that doesn't need to be the main scorer on a team. He doesn't need to be the focal point. He's been the third wheel there for a couple of different years in Gonzaga, meaning he's going to fit seamlessly alongside Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And Kispert is much more athletic than he's been given credit for. He's an above average defender with great instincts on that side of the ball and he's got good size at 6'7". Sometimes you just need to draft a guy who will be a solid if unspectacular NBA player and with Zion and Brandon Ingram, that's the situation the Pelicans find themselves in. So coming away with Kispert and Buddy Heald, I feel really good about fixing the Pelican shooting and the rest of what their offseason might look like. Stephen Carr here with Locked on Zags, coming to you talking about Corey Kispert, who is the best shooter in this draft, full stop, period. He shot 44% each of his last two seasons at Gonzaga, but this past year he showed uh, an improvement in his quickness and his athleticism to show that he's more than just a catch and shoot guy. He can attack a closeout off the bounce and get to the rim where he shot a whopping 75% in his senior season. He's probably not an elite one-on-one -on -one defender, but he is an excellent team defender who plays without fouling. Um, I think with his scoring ability, 
really good size on the wing and his overall maturity. I think he's one of the easiest plug and play guys in this entire draft. The easiest comparison seems to be that everybody uses is Joe Harris, but I really do think uh, it's an accurate comp because he's not going to be a superstar who's going to change a franchise, but he is going to be a really good player in the NBA for many, many years. Hi, NBA insider Jimmy Patsos here. The Pelicans have traded to number nine, and they're going to pick Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Let's start right away with a guy that tested the NBA waters. His coaches in the NBA told him, you're not ready, and he went back to school. Led Gonzaga, like Jalen Suggs, to the NCAA Finals where they lost to Baylor. Corey Kispert is a 6'6 guard. He's a good passer. He's one of the best finishers in transition. He scored the most efficiently on transition and fast break points in the NCAA this year. Can he work on his defense a little? Sure. But you know what? The Pelicans need help right away. You got Ingram and you got Zion Williamson. And you got a car, you got a fan base that wants to win right away. You got a new coach in Willie Green who went to the University of Detroit. Stellar NBA career. Very steady guy in Willie Green. And Corey Kispert gives you stability. And by the way, no, Corey Kispert is not the next Adam Morrison. He's much better than him. I think he has a lot more versatility than him, and I think he's a better shooter. Adam Morrison was just a guy that played so hard and willed his way to be a great scorer that the Lakers took him and thought maybe he'd be something that he wasn't. I think Corey Kispert going to the Pelicans, going to that situation, we'll see if they sign ball. The free agency market's going to determine things, but you got Ingram and you got Zion, well, now you got a shooter to run around to give those guys some room. I think it's an excellent pick for the Pelicans. They traded up. The fan base there, after AD left and went to the Lakers and won, they're getting frustrated. When's our turn? They're watching Chris Paul, who played for them in his first in his career, and now he's with Phoenix. They're saying, when's our turn? Where the New Orleans Pelicans make a run. Corey Kispert helps them take the next step. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Jimmy Pato's doing a nice job, our Odyssey expert. We've heard from Stephen Carr, our Gonzaga local expert, on the pick of Corey Kispert, another older player. And we're back with our NBA draft expert, Chad Ford. Remember, you can catch Chad Ford on the live TV show with Raphael Barlow, draft night, 7 o'clock. It's going to be on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel, all brought to you by Built Bar. Are you ready to eat your Built Bars while you're on set there, Chad? Because, you know, we're going product placement on the live show. Love it, love it. Love the Built Bar. All right, let's get it. Uh, Mitchell went seven, as we talked about. Moody went eight to the Magic. Kispert goes nine. Anything jump out at you, surprise you about who's on the board and what's going on with those picks? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit, I, I think that's high for Corey Kispert, just frankly. I mean, he brings one skill to the league that I think is is a, a skill that you want and that he's going to be a lights-out shooter. And, and he's not a bad athlete. I mean, it, it, but I think that, again, given his age uh, and his lack of versatility, that that's high for a player like Corey Kispert. Uh, to go. Moses Moody is really interesting to me. He he measured with this crazy long wingspan, but he lacks great athleticism, which is also sort of a head scratcher, especially when you have, you know, guys like Franz Wagner, uh, Josh Giddy, um, Alpern and Singoon, uh, Keon Johnson sort of on the table right now. Typically, teams in this range of the draft are still swinging for the fences um, when they're drafting. And Corey Kispert to me is that sort of very safe pick. Uh, and in some ways, Moses Moody, not high ceilings, but, you know, fairly high floors. So I'm a little bit surprised that some of the bigger upside guys are still left on the board. You launched NBABigBoard.com this year. Uh, of course, uh, what would we see right now with these nine guys off the board? Who would be your top guards left? Who would be your top wings? Any bigs, that, if that still exists in this world? Who are there some of the top guys left if I go to the Chad Ford Big Board right now? 
James Booknight out of UConn, who's probably, you know, next to Jalen Green, the best scoring guard uh, that's left uh, in the draft. Franz Wagner, who uh, is a guy that's just a Swiss Army knife, does everything, is an excellent defender, can shoot the basketball a little bit. Uh, just your prototypical now NBA wing in that they can switch, play multiple positions, can stretch the floor a little bit, can handle the ball. Josh Giddy to me, is a, a really interesting prospect. He's 6'8". Uh, he's playing professionally over in Australia right now and maybe the best passer in this draft. Just otherworldly uh, court vision right now, which I think makes him a really intriguing um, prospect right now. And then we talked a little bit earlier about Alpern and Sengun, but this guy on many analytics boards is the number one player in this draft. And I think 10 or 15 years ago probably does go number one just based off the where the league is now. But his lack of elite athleticism, his lack of elite size, and the and his sort of old school back to the basket game do have some teams questioning how does he fit in the modern NBA? But the guy is a basketball genius offensively, and the production you just can't deny in Turkey. All right, we'll get more on that. We'll keep an eye with Chad. Make sure if you, by the way, if you want more draft coverage, it's NBA Big Board is where you can get Chad. Plus his podcast is Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. We'll come back at the next pick on the draft as we roll on on the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Sacramento Kings will be on the clock after their trade as they acquired Eric Bledsoe and the 10th pick, moving Buddy Heald to the Pelicans. We'll see what they do with that pick when we return on the 2021 NBA ultimate mock draft and Odyssey in Locked On production. So a few moments ago, we got a trade, which was the ninth pick going to the Pelicans along with Buddy Heald. The Kings end up with the 10th pick and Eric Bledsoe. The Kings are currently on the board right now. We're back with you on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. David Locke along with Richard Stamen as well as Rafael Barlow. Remember the Locked On Live Mock Draft Show coming your direction. It'll be draft night, July 29th, available on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel, also on Roku, Amazon Fire, available for you across all OTT channels. Uh, it is our live draft show with Chad Ford uh, for you. All right, guys, a uh, moment ago, the ninth pick was Corey Kispert. We haven't had a chance to kind of take talk about what the Pelicans did there. Kispert, to me, is super interesting from an analytical standpoint. Again, we have a 6'7", 220 guy, so that's a very replicable position. We have someone who's older, and we have someone who peaked out on the numbers. 97th percentile in transition, 87th percentile in pick and roll handling, though limited, 95th percentile in spot and shoot, 81st percentile in spot up, 81st percentile in catch and shoot, 87th percentile in unguarded, and 96th percentile in dribbles off the bounce in only 30 attempts. So limited, but showed the ability to do a lot of stuff, but again, an older player. We haven't talked about Corey Kispert yet much in all of our conversations. You guys weren't listing him on your board. Raphael, give me a breakdown of this player and what the Pelicans just got. Well, they got a specialist, and they have someone that can open the, the floor for Zion and Brandon Ingram. It's interesting to me that the knocks on Davian Mitchell are his age and how he dominated younger players, but we don't hear the same thing about Corey Kispert. So that's very interesting to me. Should that be a knock? No, I don't think so. I mean, I guess maybe because we are we pretty much pegged Kispert as a guy that has a specific role as a floor spacer. And maybe with Mitchell, there are more questions about his exact role. So I think that's probably the difference. Richard, what are you seeing out of Kispert? Yeah, I mean, is it is there a better skill to have at an elite level than shooting in today's NBA? And that's that's Corey Kispert, right? So 
I, I don't see a huge issue with this pick. I do agree, though, you know, having having that knock at 22 is kind of weird. I think the playing at Gonzaga is going to be a very easy, translatable role for Corey Kispert with Zion. Having just that pro offense, being next to Buddy Heald also really opens a lot. So I really like the back-to-back shooters acquisitions. I- I'm assuming they hope he's Joe Harris. The Cleveland Cavaliers Joe Harris or the Brooklyn Nets Joe Harris? <laughs> Two different Joe Harris's. So Corey Kispert goes number nine. Sacramento is on the board now. Before we go check in with the draft dummies and what they thought, uh, some of the – who do you have? Where does your board sit right now, uh, Richard, on, on who's available? Well, James Booknight is still available, so you really can't go wrong taking him. Usman Garuba is now my second-best player available, and then Jaden Springer, Trey Mann, and some newer names here, obviously, with Keon Johnson as well. So two Tennessee products available. And where's your board right now, Raphael? Uh, Franz Wagner. Kai Jones would be interesting there. Um, and, I, and I think Kai Jones would have been an ideal fit for the Pelicans if he pans out. I think Zion needs to be paired with a, a floor-spacing five to maximize his – Tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about Kai Jones before we jump over to the draft dummies. Now, I will say this about Kai Jones: if he's an All Star in five years, it doesn't shock me. If he's playing for Panathinaikos or Olympiakos in five years, that doesn't shock me either. Either high risk, high reward player. All right, let's go over. Uh, in a moment, we'll hear from Matt George, who's acquired Eric Bledsoe for the Kings in his pick. But first, let's check in with the draft dummies. All right, thank you guys. This is Sam Ferris here, as always, joined by co-host Cody. We are the Draft Dummies, your NBA draft experts. Uh, all right, Cody, we are here through nine picks. It's been a lot of fun so far. Um, do you want to give me your thoughts on the last few picks or the next few guys that you have lined up on your board? Well, for my board, next best players available, I have Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Sharif Cooper, and a guy I am much higher on the consensus, Trey Mann. Love his shot-making ability. I do not expect Trey Mann to go in the next few picks. We shall see. Uh, as far as the last couple picks, uh, I'm not sure I agree with all of them. The the Davian Mitchell, I am a fan of him. I'm not sure if I'd take him at seven. And then Corey Kispert as well. What are your thoughts on those two specifically, Sam? Yeah, just in my personal opinion here, as an expert, having done so much work over the last year on these prospects, To me, Mitchell and Kispert are kind of the first reaches that we've seen in this draft. Uh, When you look back at history, these older upperclassmen picked in the lottery, it's just often not the return that you'd hope. Uh, We do look at these guys individually, though, not just as a statistic. And to me, where they were picked was a little bit just too high, a bit of a reach. But other than that, uh, I'm excited to see who's coming up next with the Kings, Hornets, and Spurs on the clock. But, uh, yeah, I think we got the pick in now, actually, from the Kings. So let's throw it to Matt George of the Locked On Kings in the Kings draft room. This is Matt George, host of the Locked On Kings podcast, here to make the 10th overall selection in our Locked On NBA Ultimate Mock Draft. The Kings at 10, what happened to 9? Well, I executed a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans, a trade that on the surface I know some people aren't going to like and a lot aren't going to understand, but I'm telling you it is the right move for the Sacramento Kings. The trade was sending Buddy Heald and number 9 to New Orleans for Eric Bledsoe and number 10. Let me explain the player swap first and foremost. Eric Bledsoe, is he a better player than Buddy Heald? 
Probably not, although he does some things that the Kings need, especially on the defensive end. But really, this is about money. Eric Bledsoe is owed $4 million less than Buddy Heald next season, which immediately opens up cap space that the Kings could desperately use this offseason. On top of that, Bledsoe's only owed $3.9 million guaranteed next year. So in the end, this trade will save the Kings over $30 million in cap space by saying bye-bye to Buddy Heald, that bad contract, and his inconsistent play. Also, was not a problem flipping number 9 for number 10, moving back one spot, because our guy was still there. With Moses Moody off the board at 8, I was pretty confident in what selection the Pelicans were going to make at 9. Our guy was there at 10. That is Michigan's Franz Wagner that I'm happy to announce as our draft pick. This is an excellent draft for the Sacramento Kings, an excellent selection. Chad Ford called him the analytical darling of this draft, and we know how much this Kings front office values analytics. He's a plug-and-play player, someone who can make an immediate impact for the Kings, which is exactly what I was looking for out of this draft. Someone who can play the 3, play the 4, certainly certainly helps on the defensive end, is a better passer than I think people give him credit for, can also space the floor. I like his fit with the Sacramento Kings. I like this draft big time for the Kings overall. And now the Kings have Bledsoe or DeLon Wright to shop before next season's trade deadline. All right, Franz Wagner was the pick. Raphael, you mentioned him a moment ago. Tell me about uh, Franz Wagner, the younger brother of Mo Wagner, but a very different player. Yeah, a lot different. Um, Connective tissue. I think that he's a good defender, does a little bit of everything well. With a creative coach, I think you can really, you know, put together some some pretty cool lineups and, and maximize the skill set. It's interesting because I would say that he's more so of a four, or at least I think he would close games as a, as a four. So what does that mean for Marvin Bagley or Rashawn Holmes? All right, let's head over to our Odyssey expert, Damon Barling. Check in what he has to think about what the Sacramento Kings have done acquiring Eric Bledsoe and the 10th pick in Franz Wagner. There's a lot of pros and cons with this deal as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings. Now, they obviously didn't love a player at nine, so this deal with New Orleans gives them an opportunity to get a veteran backup point guard to throw in the mix with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. The biggest positive here for the Sacramento Kings is that this deal sheds about $60 million of remaining salary on Buddy Heald's contract while only bringing back about $18 million in Eric Bledsoe's deal next year and a partial guarantee for the 2022-2023 season. So the biggest positive 100% is the financial ramifications of it. On the court ramifications, it's a little bit different. Buddy's about a 17, 16 point per game score. Eric Bledsoe finished last season at 12 points per game. So the drop-off is there, and what Kings fans are really losing is that Buddy offers explosiveness in scoring that Eric Bledsoe doesn't. The positive in that is, though, Kings fans have spent many years being frustrated with Buddy's lack of explosiveness on the offensive end. Franz Wagner definitely wasn't my favorite player in this particular NBA draft. I really didn't like him with the Sacramento Kings. He certainly has a fit. He has the potential to be a solid role player. He may even have the potential to be a high-level role player. It's difficult to find a star or a potential franchise-changing player at number 9, though. We've seen guys get taken at 9, 10, 11, 12, so on, turn out to be really good players. I just don't know Franz is that guy. I probably would have used this pick somewhere else. I might have rolled the dice on someone like Jalen Johnson, who I know people have some concerns over, but I think he has a significantly higher upside than Franz Wagner does. He doesn't shoot the three-point shot particularly well. He's a strong defensive rebounder. He's not a particularly strong offensive rebounder. So he's going to have the ability to find a spot in this rotation 
I just don't think he's a particularly game-changing player. And again, I don't know that the game-changing player is at 9 or 10, but I probably would have gone in a different direction than Franz Wagner. The Charlotte Hornets are on the board with the 11th pick of the draft. Let's head over and check in immediately with the draft board. That or excuse me, in the draft room, that pick is in, and see what the Hornets have done with the 11th pick of the ultimate mock draft. I'm Walker Mayo from the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and with the 11th overall pick in the Lockdown NBA mock draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Zaire Williams, small forward out of Stanford. We're swinging for the upside on this one. I think he's the most valuable archetype player in the NBA, a big wing who can handle the rock and create not only for himself, but for others. He comes in measured 6'9 at the combine in shoes. He's athletic. He also has a 6'10 wingspan. I think will help him on the defensive end. He's got a savvy pick and roll game. I think he's smart enough to hit the roll man consistently while also having the ability to take you off of the dribble. You look at the shooting mechanics and I actually think they're quite good with a few minor tweaks needing to be made. You see the inefficient numbers in his lone season at Stanford, and that's where the problems come in. He reached about 30% from three. He shot under 40% overall from the field, but I think a couple of outside factors contributed to those poor numbers. You see that Stanford had COVID-19 issues that kept them on the eastern side of the country for a long portion at the beginning of the season. He also suffered a couple of deaths in the family that limited the amount of games that he played his freshman year with the Cardinal. I think shot selection also was a contributing factor to the poor numbers that he shot from the field and from three, and he needs to put on some weight and some muscle. There's no doubt about that. The NBA does an excellent job of adding strength to the prospects once they enter the association, though, and for those reasons, that's why I would select Zaire Williams and all the upside that comes with it, number 11 overall out of Stanford. Hey, I'm Cindy Robinson from Locked On Pac-12, here to give you a quick breakdown of NBA draft prospect Zaire Williams out of Stanford. Standing at about 6'10", Zaire Williams is a tall wing player with great athletic ability and a lot of potential. But there are some concerns, starting with his inexperience. He's only played 20 games at the college level, considering everything that happened last year with COVID. Um, while at Stanford, he had some shooting issues. He, he didn't shoot very well um, in that rookie season, only 29% made from the three-point range and then his size is another concern while he is tall he's not as big and so that'll be one thing that when he gets to that next level he would want to bulk up now despite the inexperience um, at the college level he did, he was a high level recruit coming out of high school and so there is some upside to him there's potential there and definitely worth a team taking a chance on he'll just be someone that he will need more development than some other prospects. Well, there is a name that we have not been talking about a lot. Cindy Robinson giving us the breakdown on it. The Hornets throwing us a little bit of a surprise with Walker Mel. Richard, give me a breakdown on him as a player and what you think of this pick. Yeah, Zaire Williams is a high-risk, high-upside player. Kind of the way Raphael hinted at Kai Jones with the almost boomer bust. He's 6'10 and create, can create his own shot, shooting upside, can pass out of the pick and roll at times. And he could be an impact defender, especially on the perimeter. The problem is he really needs to hone in on those skills and make that consistent because right now none of it is consistent at all. And he's a little bit far away, but if he pans out, you get a 6'10 shot grader, which is a very unique skill set. You have not been mentioning him much, Raphael. He hasn't been a single mention of the guys available on your board. What do you think of this pick and what do you think of him? 
Uh, well, he's like over a foot taller than me, and we weigh the same. So I don't know how I feel about that. Are you not, are you I, eating too many carbs, Raphael? <laughs> no, he's not eating enough. I I'm not big on this pick. I think this is one of these selections that people are going to question. What is Michael Jordan doing? Thirty-seven percent from the floor, twenty-nine percent from three. Yes, I know he's six ten. Yes, I know this upside had a negative assist to turnover ratio. If you just watched this film and you did not know who he was prior to this college basketball season, there's no way you look at his film and say, you know what, this guy is a first-round pick. I know there's some issues there with Stanford and he has some injuries, but the efficiency was bad. I mean, 37-29 shooting splits, lottery pick. I don't know if that's the best compliment to LaMelo Ball. What's a better indicator of success? McDonald's All-American game, Nike Hoop Summit, or your freshman year? In my opinion, it's what I see in college. And because, you know, the Hoop Summit, those are like pickup games. It's, it's an all-star game. People want to see dunks and so on. So I go by what I see the freshman year. Richard, how about you? I think it has to be freshman year. I mean, it's beyond, like Raphael said, it's pickup games. But also, it's much easier to dominate high school than it is to dominate college. I mean, the competition gap is massive. Same thing we talked about earlier, though, about the older players, 19 on 19, right? So if you're not dominating it for Xavier Williams to not have a very good year at, at 19, like that's worrisome because if he was, if he suddenly stayed in, in the dominated 21, we'd be talking back about that same concept that we just talked about with Kispert and Mitchell about the fact that at that stage. So let's make sure we're being fair that it does matter. Also, just because you come out doesn't hide what you just did. All right. The 11th pick is uh, in the books. Number 12, our final pick of day two of our ultimate 2021 mock draft with locked on and Odyssey. We had over the San Antonio Spurs who have a plethora of players and are now relatively starless with DeMar DeRozan as a free agent. They find themselves on the threshold of, I don't know what, still again, yet another year. Let's see what happens in the Locked On Spurs NBA draft room. Jeff Garcia here from the Locked On Spurs podcast and with the number 12 pick in the ultimate mock draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Kai Jones center out of Texas. With the San Antonio Spurs needing some help at the center position, uh, Kai Jones fits the bill. Look, there's no knock on uh, Yaka Pirtle, but, you know, just as great as he's on defense, he severely lacks in athleticism and on the offensive end. This is where Kai Jones comes in for the Spurs that are desperately needing a big man, at least one that is a lethal rim runner. Kai Jones fits that, fits that bill. He's a bouncy, athletic big man the Spurs desperately need. Uh, can get easy lobs, can protect the rim, can run with the young guys. Uh, yeah, you know, he's he has patience on the block. And he's a very explosive when it comes to scoring the ball. His verticality is great. Uh, he's an excellent straight line driver, which is pretty good. Again, you know, filling the need for San Antonio. He's a mobile defender. And I think that's what the Spurs lack in the big men they have currently. None of them are mobile defenders. Think about this. After Jakobertel, it goes to Drew Eubanks and an unproven Lucas Amanich. That is the Spurs' big man depth, and this is where Kai Jones fits in. He's great off the ball. He rotates and he recovers quickly to alter shots. I think he would be a great fit in San Antonio. Hey, everybody! Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Big Twelve podcast. Here today to talk about Kai Jones of the Texas Longhorns draft prospect. I will say that to start off, out of the two guys coming from Texas. Greg Brown and Kai Jones. I am more partial to Kai Jones. Uh, I, I like what he displayed more 
And really what I thought, Fran Fraschilla put it pretty well, Kai Jones is more of a basketball player. Greg Brown is just kind of a guy right now who plays basketball. That makes sense. The game is not coming to him yet. It will. But I think Kai Jones found himself naturally playing the game better. You know, 6'11", big guy, really good athlete. I know his numbers don't jump off the page to you, 8.8 points per game and then 4.8 rebounds per game. But he shot a really good percentage at above 50%, uh, nearly 60% this year, a decent percentage from three, although he didn't shoot a whole lot, but at 38%. 69% from the line, needs to work on it there, but he's got good defensive skills. I think he's a guy who's going to be able to guard all five positions eventually at some point in time at the NBA level. He's actually displayed a bit of ball handling too, so I think for him the challenge will be finding out where exactly do you fit. Are you going to be a roamer? Are you going to be a guy who's around the hoop more? Are you going to be a guy who steps out some because that three-point shooting is somewhat decent. So I think finding the right fit is a huge key for Kai Jones, but I'm really high on his upside as an athlete and as a guy in the right system who can really make some headway in the NBA and do it uh, at a pretty fast rate. That's gonna depend on where he goes once again. So fit is gonna be key with Kai Jones and what kind of development he gets with that fit. Raphael, this is a guy you mentioned earlier in Kai Jones, and I loved it. You said possible all-star, possible bust. That's kind of con contrary a little bit to maybe how the Spurs sometimes do things. They've obviously taken a lot of guys that are Lonnie Walkers and DeJounte Murray's long athletic players. Derek White was a more uh, kind of a great pick, but a very solid pick. What's the What differentiates whether Kai Jones hits or whether he ends up playing in Europe? Well, the shooting numbers were there. It was on a low volume. Shot 38% from three. Best case scenario, he is this switchy defender that is a vertical lob threat that can be a pick-and-roll role man that can knock down open shots. He is one of the most freakishly athletic and fluid bigs I've ever seen. But he still only averaged about nine points a game. He's skinny. There are There is some debate about what is his exact position. So I think, like I said, he's if he's an all-star, like if he has a, like a Siakam type rise in five years doesn't shock me, but if he's a Euroleague star in five years, I'm not you know surprised by that either. Richard, there was a player last year that sounds somewhat similar. He didn't. I don't think he moved as well in Jalen Smith out of Maryland, uh, but another long player like that. Is there a similarity here? And I don't think we actually know on Jalen Smith. He ended up on being on a great NBA Finals team, so it's hard to tell whether or not he actually was ready to play or not. He didn't look particularly ready in his limited time. But that's also on a. It's harder to play on a great team than it is to play on a bad team. Do you? Is there a comparison here? Or does Kai Jones just move so much better than Jalen than Jalen Smith? It's almost impossible to compare him to anybody. If there was anybody in last year's class, I thought you were actually going to say Daniel Turu had a little bit of similarities there. Um, but I share a lot of the same sentiments that Raphael said. You know, fluid athlete can guard one through five almost, which is very rare for a center. And he can hit jab step threes, which is really weird for you don't hear that in centers. But I guess like the one thing, Raphael, I, I cannot make up my mind on this. Do you think it's more likely that he's an all star or a role player? in the league role player i mean there's only what 24 all-stars so true be one of those guys it's i mean that's the best case scenario it just depends on if the shooting translates and i know a lot of it had to do with the role that he played at texas he has everything that you look for in a, a dominant like roller but his pick and roll numbers weren't good and i think that a lot of that has to do with spacing 
But I wonder in San Antonio, who is going to be the point guard to get him the ball to maximize his gifts? All right, let's find out what Jimmy Patos says about this, the Odyssey college basketball expert. Hi, Jimmy Patos here, NBA insider. We have the Spurs on board at number 12, and they take Kai Jones from Texas. Let's face it, the Spurs were probably a little disappointed that Corey Kispert wasn't there. And Wagner, the shooter, kind of can stretch the defense, 3-4 man from Michigan Wolverines. So what do they do? They take Kai Jones, who showed the most flashes in the whole NCAA last year. There's nobody with a bigger upside than Kai Jones. Now be careful, I'm not saying he's gonna pass Cade Cunningham or do any of that stuff, but he can shoot the three a little. But every game, you will find a point where you'll say, that's a flashpoint of how great he could be. He's one of the, he's showing you things that he could be down the road. Now, San Antonio Spurs, do they want to win quicker than that? Because Kai Jones is not going to help you win tomorrow. And number 12 might be a little high for him. But can he switch and play some five? Can he definitely can play the four and the three? Do a little of everything? The ultimate question is this. Can Kai Jones develop fast enough where Greg Popovich and Becky Hammond want him to be, where he can take the next step and get them back to winning a playoff series. Because the Spurs have been in a little bit of a drought. You know, they've been okay. The Kawhi Leonard for DeRozan trade hasn't quite worked out the way they thought. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's gone. This is a different Spurs team. We love Patty Mills. We love who they have. Kalen Johnson's really improved. They got a lot of things going in the right way. Kai Jones would be a pick when you come back in the front office. Greg Popovich says he's going to be great in two years, and in two years we're going to be contending again for an NBA title, and he's a huge piece, and he's a he's an impact starter down the road, so we have to take him. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. We're wrapping up day number two of the Ultimate 2021 NBA Mock Draft. Let's go to the Chad Ford big board, over to the big board desk. Chad Ford is there. Chad with Franz Wagner going 10, Zaire Williams going 11, pick not liked much by by Barlow and Richard. Kai Jones going 12. Interesting take by Barlow. He's either going to be in Europe or an all-star, but nowhere in between. We'll see what he says on that. What's your quick take on those picks and how they've played out? Yeah, those are swing for the fences picks. Uh, and, you know, I, and in some ways, you know, Zaire Williams, uh, and, I, and I know Rafael, I had talked about this before, terrible at Stanford. Almost nothing that you can point to in the game film or the statistics that warrant him being a first round pick, uh, let alone a lottery pick. But then you go watch him in high school and you see this 6'10 fluid, versatile, both offensively and defensive player. And you wonder, did something happen? Is that is that player still there? And the answer historically is sometimes yes and sometimes no. And so taking Zaire Williams based off of what he did in high school. 11, I think, is totally appropriate. Taking what he did at Stanford, that's a massive, massive reach. But I'm generally okay with that. And the same with Kai Jones. I'm totally in line with Raphael. He's either a home run or he's a strikeout. There's really no in-between. He has such interesting physical tools for a player his size and still not much of a clue about actually how to play the game. All right, let's look at the – if you want Chad's big board, you can go to NBABigBoard.com. Chad's got a Substack newsletter on that as well. And obviously you've got Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Let's look at that big board right now, Chad, over our big board desk. Who are the best ball handlers available as we move on day three? Well, Josh Giddy um, comes to mind. To me, he's a top ten pick in this draft, and it's, it's a little bit surprising to see him uh, go that low. But he's the guy for sure that when you're talking about – 
a ball handler uh, point guard that's there. And then everybody else is a little bit further down, whether that's Jaden Springer or Miles McBride or Sharif Cooper. All of those folks to me are sort of in the late teens, early 20s. And so really, if you're, if you're wanting a ball handler in this range, Josh Giddy's your guy. All right. What about Wings? Wings is sort of interesting because I think there, you know, there's a few few guys left on the board that I think are going to be um, interesting prospects. Uh, you, you start with Keon Johnson, who is just an explosive athlete and a guy that um, measured with a record 48-inch vertical at the Chicago Combine and, and really locks in um, on the defensive end. You've got uh, you know, Jalen Johnson, I'm not sure what you categorize him as a wing or a big. I'm not sure what he is, but, you know, for a time, he was a top 10 pick um, on our board early in the season out of Duke. He sl- slid a little bit, especially because of his decision um, to go ahead and, and leave Duke early. Uh, that left a lot bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And then Chris Duarte, uh, who is 24 years old on draft night, so almost historically old for a player to be drafted this high. Lots of teams really like him. I think his reign starts at like Golden State at 14. The Wizards are looking at him at 15. The Knicks at 19. Um, he had an incredible senior season at Oregon. I understand the sort of desire to get a wing like him who can really do do it on, uh, shoot it, can handle the basketball and defend multiple positions. But 24 years old, man, that scares me a little bit. All right, those are the where the boards, the NBA big board sits as we get ready for another day of mock drafting tomorrow on the Ultimate Mock Draft. Let's head over and see what the draft dummies have for some sleepers or guys they like sitting as we get ready for day three. Thanks, Chad and David. This is co-host Cody and Sam Ferris of the Draft Dummies and the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Sam, we just saw Franz go to the Kings, followed by Zaire Williams and Kai Jones. What do you feel about those last three selections? Yeah, so I would say that out of those three picks, to me, my favorite pick and probably the best fit of those picks would be Franz Wagner going to the Kings. Cody and I have harped on this at length, but we really believe in Wagner, especially as a defensive prospect brings a lot of defensive versatility, toughness, and IQ, something that that Kings franchise really needs. Uh, So I really like that pick. Zaire Williams and Kai Jones, to me, Cody, are kind of more of the swings at upside that, you know, the the production to this point has lagged a bit, not what you'd hope, but the upside value is certainly there uh, in in, uh, Zaire Williams and Kai Jones. Who do you have next on your board? Some guys that you're surprised are still there and that may be selected shortly. Yeah, so Josh Giddy is still there again. To me, the fifth best prospect in this class. Whoever gets their hands on him is getting some great value. And then Sharif Cooper is another guy I like. Uh, Jalen Johnson, to me, the big playmaking wing out of Duke, I had also threw in there as one of my next best players available. And then if we want to talk about sleepers, to me, JT Thor has some of the best upside remaining in this class. And then if we want to mention also an international guy that I I really like more than the consensus, uh, Rocco Prokocin, to me, is a guy that I could see going late first, but who I personally view as one of the 14 best prospects in this class. Day two is in the books. It started with Scotty Barnes going sixth, Davion Mitchell seventh, and some hot debate about those. Moses Moody went eight, Corey Kispert went nine, Franz Wagner 10 after a trade, which had the Pelicans getting Buddy Heald in the ninth pick, and the Kings, the 10th pick, and Eric Bledsoe. 11, Xavier Williams, 12, Kai Jones. 
You guys have held it relatively together. Bork Knight is still on the board, and both you guys had this as the next most likely player to hit. This is our great, empty green room, poor sadness experience of the ultimate mock draft as our camera keeps going to James Buck Knight of Connecticut and saying, why isn't he being picked? Why isn't he being picked? What's up with your guy, guys? I don't know. I think maybe they must have watched him after. Or I put it like this. They did not see the 40-point game against my hometown Creighton Blue Jays. That's it. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, this feels like an Aaron Rodgers fall when he was in the draft in the NFL where it was mysteriously he fell to like in the 20s and he fell to like a perfect situation. So maybe that's what's going to happen for him. All right, we'll find out who makes that pick tomorrow. Will more trades come down? We'll see what happens there. Indiana starts us off at 13. Golden State's on the board with 14, followed by Washington. OKC has another of their 8 million picks at 17. Memphis will step in and break up Oklahoma City's party when they come back at 18. Will trades go down? Will Borknight finally get picked? Will anyone else surprise? We'll get it all coming up. It's the 2021 Ultimate Mock Draft. Chad Ford, Ryan McDonough, our experts, Raphael Barlow and Richard Stamen, all with you here. Plus the draft dummies, the local experts. There's nothing else like it. It's the ultimate mock draft. And for more of it on draft night, make sure you follow the Locked On NBA YouTube channel for our live broadcast brought to you by Built Bar. It'll start on July 29th at 7 o'clock Eastern with Chad Ford, the NBA draft goat, plus the guys you're hearing today and all the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.